This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. Greetings, listeners. This is Alex Jimenez, host of the Fear Free podcast series. We have a really exciting show today. In this episode, in celebration and, of course, recognition of Veterinary Technician Week, we have with us two leading Fear Free certified technicians, Emily Korber of Bigger Road Veterinary Hospital and Tabitha Sias of North Royalton Animal Hospital to talk with us about the role technicians play in Fear Free. Emily, Tabitha, thank you both so much for joining us today. You I'm so welcome. excited Thanks to be here. So both of you have extensive clinical experience and are ironically both working towards becoming certified as veterinary technician specialists in the field of behavior. With this wealth of experience and knowledge, I want to get us started by asking, what is your take on the role of a technician in a hospital that is trying to practice fear-free? They clearly play a very vital role in the hospital in general, and I would assume the same is true when it comes to fear-free. I agree. I think technicians are very important to fear-free. Technicians honestly spend the most time with the patient and are often the first to notice and address the signs of fear, anxiety, and stress in the pets. It's also great because they have the opportunity in the exam rooms with the owners before the doctor goes in to explain what signs of fear and anxiety that the pet's experiencing. Because a lot, of, a lot of clients don't notice that lip licking or that subtle sniffing, and they aren't aware of the anxiety that their animal's truly going through. So when you don't cut those toenails that day, they may get upset. But if you're explaining to them what their pet's experiencing, I feel like you're setting up the doctor to go into that appointment and the rest of the staff to really give them a fear-free experience and have the clients understand why we didn't, for example, cut Fluffy's nails today and why we're going to work on desensitization and counter-conditioning to toenail trimmers before we proceed to do that and just get done maybe the exam today with some peanut butter. So I feel technicians are very important in fear-free because they kind of can set everything up for the rest of the staff as well as educate the owners. Also, Technicians generally are the ones that are restraining and handling the animals, which is a big key factor in in lowering that fear and anxiety. So if you can show the owners, as well as the veterinarians you're working with, that your fear-free techniques as far as handling is lowering that animal's anxiety, that's huge. That's going to get the owner's attention as well as the client's attention, and it's going to get everyone to understand why fear-free is so important in every practice. Emily, what are your thoughts? Well, um, my my experience has been that technicians are usually the main facilitators of Fear Free. If if someone wants to bring it in, many times, most times, it's a technician, and I think they're the main facilitators of it. They're probably the ones for a, a lot of the reasons that Tabitha mentioned. Um, are bringing it to a clinic, um, but their role throughout the clinic. They tend to be um, all over, eyes and ears all over the clinic. They instruct the, insist- the assistants on how to handle. Um, I believe that blood drawing is mostly positional. So if I have um, a, an assistant, VA, who, who is setting up that animal for me, then the blood draw goes very quickly. And um, those things can be somewhat unpleasant. With Fear Free, I believe they make it many times better. So you might say that technicians are a little bit of a keystone in the fear-free process? Keystone is an excellent word. I agree. I, 
I definitely, what Emily was saying about how technicians are kind of the eyes and ears of hospitals, I feel that's really true. For example, if there's a drop-off appointment for, let's say, a cat, for example, and the, the, the owner isn't there, if that cat's showing anxiety, I'm going to see that cat way, prior, way before the doctor does. And if I notice fear and anxiety in that cat, I may say to the doctor in between his appointments prior to the time he can see that cat is, this cat seems really stressed. These, this is what she's exhibiting. What do you think of giving her gabapentin prior or something to assist the pet in being more calm prior to him examining her or playing through a cat's ear or spraying seal away in a towel? There's a lot of things technicians can do prior before the doctor can even get in there. And if, if there are medications that are needed, which is the case sometimes, you could at least go to your doctor prior to get that administered and okay that. So by the time he's examining the cat, the cat's already, the cat's signs of fear and anxiety are already reduced significantly. Right, so technicians are often one of the first staff members to interact with a patient. Ironically, we are also seeing that they are often the first person to introduce a practice to Fear Free. That said, getting the owners, doctors, practice managers, and the rest of the staff on board with Fear Free can be a bit of a challenge. For some, that might be a really steep uphill battle. The two of you have very different experiences with this, so I was wondering if you can both talk about what that process was like for you. So I have a different experience than that. Um, I am normally the one in the clinic or one of the people who have their arms crossed saying, you know, prove to me that this is going to be better when it comes to changing a paradigm or the way we've always done it. And so I am different in that we started operating in a fear-free way by accident. We had opened a new office and it was much smaller than our original office. And we noticed, actually the receptionists were the first to notice that the level of fear, anxiety, and stress in our patients was less in our small office, which had less noise and less traffic, less people, less animals than the bigger one. And they were the ones that started recommending to the owners that this patient try our other office. So um, we kind of ran with that. So we came to it in an organic way. And we started noticing that um, our patients were less scared in our clinic. And um, when we really started working at it, they responded very well to that. And so it um, can be a lot of fun when you take a traditionally um, somewhat scared or fractious pet and change the situation for that pet um, so that they aren't so fearful and you change their behavior. When you treat a patient in such a way that his behavior changes that for the better, the word that I used is magic. It's not magic, but it feels like it. And um, when that happens, you feel very successful. The clients are pleased at how their pet has behaved and been treated by you. And um, coworkers recognize that. And that becomes an infectious thing. So that so much is in an uphill battle as when um, pe people feel good about what, how they're operating, how they're handling an animal, what the patient's experience was that they were involved in. And that's, tended to be how I get, uh, how we have gotten um, 
other staff members to come on board with this and really um, uh, take it to heart. And so my advice to a technician who's trying to bring this into the clinic and maybe struggling is to do what you can, even if it's just a simple thing in the exam room. When you go in there and you're alone with the owner and, pa- owner and the patient, it could be sitting on the floor. It could be breaking up treats and tossing them around. It could be any number of simple things that help that pet to be distracted or feel more relaxed. Um, Anything that you can do is a step in the right direction. And as your boss or as the other doctors or your coworkers notice those changes, they're going to come around to uh, a fear-free way of thinking. So um, I would recommend, though, that when and if you decide to go about it in such a way that you're asking your boss for permission to implement these, this way of working is that you be respectful. You should ask Uh, if you were given permission to do that and be armed with information about it and make it obvious that you're advocating for the patients, not for yourself. And so in that way, I feel like, I feel like with owners and other staff and um, not, and um, I'm sorry, patients, the owners of the patients and the other staff, and then perhaps your boss or management at your clinic, I feel that it's always helpful to make it clear that your, that your patients that come into your office, your pets, are your number one priority. And that tends to um, open people's eyes a little bit and make them more amenable to fear free. So I definitely agree with Emily as far as the the best advice I can give as far as to implement as a technician fear-free into your practice is lead through example. Uh, what I mean by that is what Emily touched on is do what you can to use fear-free techniques, use considerate approach and gentle control and do everything you can and people around you will notice. When I first started using fear-free techniques at my current practice, I've only been there for a short period of time, about six months, and I have clients asking for me specifically. Um, so the owner has noticed that. These are things that That'll the get veterinarian... <laughs> exactly. Um, I have, I've only been there for a short period of time, and I have clients asking for me particularly to be their technician due to the way their animal was. And I do, I am very vocal as far as, as soon as the patient comes in, which my boss allows me to do, which is wonderful that I'm in that type of environment. I explain to the client, if I do notice fear in that pet, I explain what I see and what we're going to do today and why I'm approaching their dog from the side and why I'm avoiding eye contact and why I'm offering peanut butter. And I always ask before I offer peanut butter, of course. So clients notice, notice those things and owners will listen to what clients are noticing. So that's something that's been very successful for me as far as getting my owner of my practice to understand the importance of fear-free as well as getting the other staff members, receptionists, technicians on board. Cause as Emily said, people don't like change. I'm not going to lie. It's not my favorite thing. So sometimes when I've been taught to scruff a cat in school and that's all I know, and now you're telling me to not do that, that can be very frustrating and confusing. So another thing I would always recommend to do when speaking to other staff members is be patient, don't be judgmental, be very open-minded, realize that we all come from a place of compassion. That's why we're in this field. 
So understand that they want to be the patient's advocate as well, but they may not understand why what you're doing is helping. So you never want to be judgmental, lead through example, and definitely be persistent. And what I mean by be persistent is I provide studies, articles, and resources to my managers as well as the owner of the practice very frequently to help them understand versus leading through example why we should have fear free in our practice. And I've also made it as easy as I can for the practice owner. I've came up with plans and things. I brought things to the table. For example, when looking for mats for pets to stand on for our practice, I provided him with four examples, the cost, what are the pros and cons, and I just had him circle one. So as a technician, you can make this happen, but I feel like my owner of my practice, he's a really busy guy. So if I can make this as accessible and easy for him as possible, I'm more likely to get through to him as well. So it sounds like if executed correctly, pitching this and bringing these concepts and techniques into your practice also gives you an opportunity to prove yourself as a leader in the practice. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Because again, I'm, I'm very new at my practice. Um, and I, honestly, due to my interest in Fear Free, I did have a little difficulty finding a practice that I felt I fit in. So I was very happy to find the practice that I'm currently working at for, as they understood my passion and they picked up on it very quickly. And I'm doing behavioral consults and happy visits and we're really rolling with this fear free and he's allowing me to go with it, which is wonderful. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the politics and the culture of bringing fear free in your practice. But before we sign off for this episode, I was wondering if each of you can share a couple of hands-on tips for our listeners. If I had to pick two tips to mention to a technician trying to implement fear free, one of the biggest things I would recommend is changing the vocabulary that you're using in your practice to describe what signs of fear and anxiety you are seeing in the pet. So often in medical notes and patient clipboards, I'm seeing words like fractious and aggressive versus what the animal is actually experiencing versus, for example, fearful. So, and me seeing a fractious or aggression alert on a patient clipboard gives me no indication to how to make that patient more comfortable. So I would just try to avoid using words like fractious or aggressive. And also, for example, a technician going up to a cat cage with a big sign that says fractious is a lot more likely to be tense, approach that animal negatively, and not be as compassionate when handling that animal versus fearful where the technician will relax her body, his or her body, calm her voice, quiet her tone, and approach the cat compassionately. So I feel like changing the vocabulary that we use in our practice is a huge and easy step that we can do to help others understand what the animals are actually going through. And the second tip I would have is something that I do a lot of at work is take deep breaths. We all have been frustrated or seen the technician who's try to get that jugular vein and they feel it, but they can't hit it. So they sigh very loudly. They slam the door to get enough. They slam the cabinet drawer to get another syringe, things that they may not realize that they're doing. Taking a deep breath calms the animal down and 
it helps immensely because there are, our, our job is very stressful. That's part of our job. So taking deep breaths throughout the day as, and working with patients who are a little more fearful, I feel like is very helpful. Those are fantastic. Emily, what do you got? Well, there are many, but if I have to choose two, probably the first two things um, anytime I'm encountering a patient is number one, get your mind and your body quiet, like Tabitha alluded to, um, which would include a considerate approach to a patient. And um, if you do that, the effect of it is immediate. Your patients will um, change their demeanor, and um, uh, it's it's pretty impressive to see that it's one. You know, we all like instant gratification, and changing your body language changes their behavior um, in a positive way. If you are doing something quiet, um, the second one is keep the patients with their owners as much as you can. And as far as the way I move around in our clinic, there isn't a lot that I can't keep an owner present for. The owner is the safest place in that pet's mind in your clinic. And this is all from the pet's perception. It doesn't matter to me if I think petting the dog on the head is comforting. If it doesn't like it, if it's from his perception, um, it's not going to matter. It's not going to help him. It's not going to help me. So mind and body quiet, considerate approach and keep the pet with the owner for as much as you can. It's not a situation where you put an owner in danger by asking them to restrain, but their presence in an exam room, or if you have to move to x-ray and they can help you get the dog back there, they don't stay in x-ray, but they step out. Um, Anything that you can do that, that, um, that pet will perceive as him being with his person will um, benefit everybody. Well said. Those are some great tips. Thank you, Emily. So that does it for this episode. Thank you both, Emily, Tabitha. You, uh, you were wonderful today. Thank you for taking so much time out of your busy schedule today to talk. We really appreciate the time, as I am sure our listeners do as well. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. For our certified listeners out there, be sure to check out the resources section on vetfolio.com for some more in-depth articles on the role that technicians play in the fear-free process. And for those that are not certified, check out fearfreepets.com to learn more. Thanks.